1: Welcome to Work Happy, the new podcast all about workplace happiness, brought to you by Work Life with me, journalist Angelica Malin. This season, we're going on a journey to dig deep into the secrets of workplace happiness, with advice from experts, entrepreneurs, and coaches in the field. This week, I'm joined by Sally Lovett, founder of Stretching City, to explore the benefits of wellness in the corporate world. <laughs> on the show I'm joined by Sally Lovett thank you so much for joining me can you tell me a little bit about your business stretching the city
2: yeah sure thank you for having me um, so stretching the city so we're a workplace well-being company so we're a team of all um, oh, about 100 uh, well-being teachers and experts and so we go into offices and we do healthy things such as yoga classes massage meditation and the list goes on
1: that's amazing and how did the idea for your company come about Um, So it's quite an organic process, really. So back in
2: 2010, um, I trained to be a yoga teacher. And um, I started teaching a few classes alongside some marketing and copywriting work I was doing. And then I started to do a few corporate classes. And it just gradually grew from there. So it wasn't necessarily like a light bulb moment where Mm. I had this idea and I quit my day job and and it happened. Um, I just gradually grew it, always alongside another job until um, it was my kind of full-time gig from about four or five years ago.
1: So interesting. Do you think, as entrepreneurs, do you think we need a a light bulb moment? Or do you think it just can come more naturally like that?
2: I think it can come more naturally than that. And I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to A, have this light bulb moment and B, to just have this really strong passion that we, you know, a lot of people I know who want to start a business, they say, oh, well, I can't because I don't know what my passion is. And I think we just put so much pressure on ourselves. And actually, mm. it's okay just to allow something just to grow and just see and just go with it. And it might work or it might not work. Mm.
1: Yeah, that passion element. I think also it's quite like a millennial attitude, but the mm. idea that, our oh, our passion has to be our job and I think it's not something like my parents for example grew up with where it was like your job is your job and your passion you do outside of your job and I do think you have to be a little bit passionate or interested in what you're doing but I also am happy to have passions that exist outside of work um, and you can't have it all as such. Yeah absolutely
2: it just puts a lot of pressure and like mm. you say you still want to have things outside of work that um, you know aren't necessarily paid that you still really enjoy doing. Mm. I sometimes think as soon as you have to either study for something or you charge for it it doesn't always quite as much passion as it used to it's true
1: yeah Yeah, definitely like writing used to be my passion that's what I loved and now I'm a journalist I write full time and I'm like oh god writing like looking at words all day long it's such hard work and like it takes the passion out of it a little bit when it becomes sort of commercialised
2: absolutely not everything has to be a side hustle it can just be a hobby and that's that
1: (laughs) the side hustle thing is also I think is quite burnouty. you know I think side hustles again it's sort of pushing us into this kind of attitude to work that's a bit relentless and actually you can just push people into quite an unhealthy attitude to work a
2: bit. Yeah completely like you said I think it's quite a millennial thing because you know look, if I look back now really probably nine ten years ago I was doing a side hustle with my yoga teaching but I didn't really think of it like that whereas I think if I had that attitude now then yeah I'd put a lot more pressure on myself and I feel like I have to be pushing it more whereas yeah. thankfully I didn't really have that term side hustle and didn't feel like as yeah. precious. <laughs> yeah you
1: were undefined at that yeah, point. Yeah thankfully. So um, so you started teaching corporate clients and then how did it kind of grow and expand into what you are today?
2: So I started teaching this was back in say 2010 2011 when there just weren't as many yoga teachers as there are in london these days Mm. so i was fortunate in that sense so i was getting more classes than i necessarily wanted to do or i necessarily had the time for Um, so i started to take on other teachers so at this point this kind of friends or contacts or people i knew um, and i'd then outsource the classes to them Mm. and then it just grew from there so we had clients saying to us oh do you do pilates or do you do meditation or you know other well-being themes and topics as the definition of wellness grew. So we took on more teachers. We got more clients. Um, at this point, we we're also doing yoga retreats. I was teaching a lot more, um, and it just snowballed from there. Um, and then now we just do corporate wellbeing. So we cut off the yoga retreat side of the business after a few years. Um, was it
1: just too much to juggle? I,
2: it wasn't so much to juggle. It was oh, there was a few things. Um, I felt a bit undefined. I felt like you'd go on a website and you'd think, okay, what do they do? Are they corporate wellbeing or are they yoga retreats? Or mm. you know, I was also doing these public yoga classes in Angels. that I did for six years. Um, and there was also the issue um, when we became. Registered, so you have to come back registered when you hit a certain turnover. Um, that then really affected the prices of our retreats so with our corporate well-being you can put 20% VAT on and it's not an issue because so they can claim it back but with our retreats we couldn't really whack 20% on the prices because then they're not competitive so yeah. um yeah it just became a bit of an issue with that a bit problematic
1: mm-hmm. and did you do you have a business plan because it sounds like everything happened pretty like naturally and organically but I suppose as it expanded you had to sort of structure it and figure out cash flow and everything when did it become more of a business I
2: say it became more of a business probably about four years ago, and that was when it became my full-time gig. So I was doing, like I said, I was doing bits of copywriting and advertising. I I gradually whittled it down to the point where I was only doing one day a week copywriting for um, Yoga Matters, who are a really good online retailer. So I cut that, and I was just full time stretching the city. And then we had like a couple of years where we we're also doing retreats. And then I cut the retreats probably two or three years ago. And mm-hmm. then we're just corporate wellbeing, which is actually, you know, in some ways it was a bit daunting. It was a bit scary because the yoga retreats was like about 30% of our business. So to turn around and say, okay, that's it, we're not doing it anymore. Um, but it has, you know, it, it, it paid off. And we're now, there's no confusion, we're a workplace wellbeing company and that's what we do and we do it well.
1: Yeah, it's almost like cutting down what you're doing and making that offering as strong as possible. Yeah. I've definitely been guilty of taking on too many projects and trying to make- them all work at once and you never can absolutely you spread yeah. yourself too
2: thin yeah and I'm learning that a bit of our clients and you know the when we're offering well-being I sometimes have to check myself and say okay hang on we're going into territories now which are a bit beyond well-being you know I had a chat with a client the other day and what they wanted was going down a bit more learning and development role and I sort of had to stop myself and say mm-hmm. okay just put your hands up and say you know what we're a well-being company there's certainly things we can do around that but that might be appropriate for someone else
1: mm. and did you ever take investment for the company
2: no it's been solely, solely all mine. Um, yeah, I and mean, I think, again, because I did it as a side hustle, it wasn't my sole income. Um, obviously, now it is. But yeah, most, you know, everything I've earned, I've, I've put back into the business. That's so.
1: amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a really strong position to be in.
2: It is. You know,
1: it's, it's a nice position to be in to know that it's 100% mine and I'm the
2: sole shareholder. But... You know, there's also, it, it can be, there can also be issues when you're, when, you, when it is just you. It can be quite solitary when you're just that sole shareholder or that sole director and you don't have a people to bounce ideas off or to pick one another up when you need it. Um, so, yeah, kind of, there's, there's two sides to it.
1: I suppose yours is an interesting business because although it has kind of lots of facets and lots of people involved, they're all involved in a kind of contractor basis where their teacher's involved in the company. And as a core team, actually, you can be really lean, which yeah. is amazing, but also kind of lonely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I look at all the people we work with, you know, I sent out a group email today and like, i to see there's loads of them, you know, there's an amazing network, but yeah, I don't we don't meet up that much or we don't see one another as much. You know, a lot of it is is very virtual. Um, you know, even the core team I've got is so my ops manager um who does all the day to day, you know, we're not sat next to one another all day. We meet up a lot, but essentially we, we all work virtually. So that, as you know, that comes with mm. its merits, but um yeah, it can still be quite simple. It a comes
1: with its merits with overheads for sure. Yeah. You know, you're not paying for offices mm. and you're not paying for team lunches, but then it also does make it a bit more lonely. Yeah and a bit yeah. scarier i suppose Yeah definitely and th-
2: i think that's something people don't really think of when they you know when entrepreneurship is so glamorized you know, we're, we're social creatures. Like We like working with people and being around people and bouncing ideas off people and having structure and ritual and routine and all of that kind of goes out the window when you work for yourself. So if that's something you need, then you need to create it yourself.
1: What are some of the things that you've found to get past that like slight founder loneliness mm-hmm. or when you've gone through periods like that? What are some things that have helped you? Um,
2: I think a few things is, is firstly just acceptance. Like in any job, whether you work in a huge team of people or whether you work by yourself at your kitchen table, you're going to have peaks and troughs. So you're going to have time where, you mm. feel a bit low and, and that's fine you've just got to, got to ride it out um, getting help and support so I'm I'm, re- I'm doing a coaching programme at the moment so I've invested in a coach to, to help me set some goals and targets for the next six months so just realising that you don't have an HR team who are going to invest in you so if that's something that's important to you then you need to do it for yourself mm. and just reaching out to that network you know just picking up the phone meeting someone for a coffee it takes effort but it's totally worth it just to get face to face with people
1: yeah and actually get out and meet other people
2: yeah you won't regret it yeah I think the
1: interesting thing is is that if you're willing to jump out of the nine to five and you're willing to take this route, you can really massively out-earn. Mm. Like it's oh, it's yeah. a known thing that you can make a lot more money when you just do your own thing. Mm. But it comes with all these other kind of emotional Aspects that people don't really talk about that much. Mm. That there are days like today where I worked from home, and I was like, "Oh, it would have been quite nice to have been in office," which is weird. And I'm sure had I been in office, I would have felt super trapped. Mm. But it, it when it's a bit rainy and you're like, "Oh, it would be nice to have some colleagues right now," but you don't think about that. uh, People don't talk about that as much.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it just like say it depends on how you're feeling and how much work you've got. On you know, sometimes I love working from home and you put on your favorite hoodie and you have a pot of coffee and you just you just get on with things. But there's other days where you really really crave that connection.
1: Mm. It is it redefining our relationship with work in a little mm, bit yeah. um, I think yeah. is it is it meant to be a sociable thing is it meant to be just about money who, who knows Yeah, but absolutely. some yeah. kind of balance it's an, I mean, I've
2: mean, i been self-employed for 10 years now and it's an ongoing
1: <laughs> conversation yeah. I have in my head yeah. I think co-working spaces like work yeah. life where we are now have really changed the game because people who can who are freelance can go and, and make friends and sit with other people
2: yeah I totally agree I think it's an absolute game changer and everyone should do it um,
1: when it comes to, to finding the right people to hire and, and mm-hmm. bring into the business what tips do you have for how you've kind of grown it with key hires or people to help you? Um, so get
2: some help and support in recruiting if you can. So um, I've got someone, Pippa, who helps me, who I bring her in to help me with recruitment. So just having that that kind of second opinion and someone to talk through is um, is really helpful. Um, so for our hires, so for the teachers who are going out to the clients, um, it's really important to us that they've had corporate experience. So we could have people, someone come to us, say a yoga teacher who's trained with, you know, the most almighty of gurus or in this ashram or this. But actually, we want people who are confident going into like a workplace setting and can hold their own and not be intimidated in a corporate space. Um, like one of my key hires um, is my ops manager, Helen, who looks after all the day-to-day admin. So she's an absolute godsend and she was through a family friend and it's worked out really well and it's been a couple Mm. of years now. That's great.
1: Mm. Have you had any like mistakes with hiring?
2: Um, Not mistakes as such but sometimes you can have a bit of a clash between the client and the teacher so you know where possible I'll try and meet the client and get to know them as much as possible but not everyone's always going to be their cup of tea you know if you go to a yoga studio you might be a teacher you don't necessarily resonate with doesn't mean they're not very good you just simply just didn't hit Mm. it off yeah. Mm.
1: What marketing channels have you found works best for you in your company to grow so obviously
2: we're now a b2b company so our main our main clients are corporate clients so the places where they hang out are linkedin so we've done quite a lot through linkedin god bless linkedin i know it's the
1: it's the least loved of the social media and i think Uh, it's
2: great well that's it and i think you know i personally i much prefer using instagram and you know i use facebook a bit even though i'm going off it but you have to actually stop and remind yourself. Actually, we're a B two B company, so where do we need to be? Yes, a little bit dry. It's not quite as nice as Instagram, but but LinkedIn is that's, a, that's where your audience are. You yeah. know, that's where they're hanging out, and it and it can be free. So that we use Google AdWords and I've had help with that to make it more strategic and make it work for us because I do think Google can be a massive money pit unless you get help mm-hmm. to, to make sure it's working properly and keep on monitoring it and updating it and making changes as much as possible mm-hmm. but um, yeah and actually you know we were going to do a, a Facebook campaign recently but I pulled the plug on it and just recently we're just doing an old-fashioned direct mail campaign we're sending out our brochures to some key <laughs> clients Amazing. so we're taking
1: it back to the old school but know. Um, yeah you know. maybe the old school is the new school well exactly I mean, Facebook's
2: very saturated oh so <laughs> saturated so yeah
1: and have those things been the key to generating more leads?
2: Yeah, so we've we found that we've got leads through things like LinkedIn, um, just you know, through adwords and just organic search. But really, word of mouth will always remain the most powerful marketing tool. So we have lots of people you know, the great thing about what we do is if we deliver, say, a workshop, that might be to 30 or 40 people. And there might be someone there who goes off and tells their flatmate about it or someone they work with. And then someone else will get in contact or will have clients who will move companies and they get back in touch with us when they've moved elsewhere. So it's it's quite a gradual trickling effect. But, yeah, mm. generally word of mouth is, is really popular
1: do for Do you us. find it challenging to manage the business as it scales? It can be challenging, but I'm learning...
2: I I think for me, because I had to take a maternity leave or whatever version of that I had whilst being a business owner, that made me learn how to delegate. It made me learn to let go a little bit um, and be a bit more hands-off. So that was something that I had to do. And actually, it taught me that actually it's fine and it was okay. You know, we actually had one of our best years the year after I had my baby, so it didn't all go to pot. It's about getting whether you need time off or whether you're scaling the business, it's about getting just good systems in place that works. and if someone does take over, then it will continue to work. And that's the only way I think you can really scale it. If it's all you, there's only one of you. You can't possibly Mm, do it all. You can't grow. Yeah, and you'll crash and you'll grow. And, you know, handing over all the the day-to-day admin was probably one of the biggest things that we did because you can get so stuck in day-to-day minutiae. You sort of kid yourself that I'm really busy. Yeah, you are busy, but you're doing things which are a bit below you in a way as a business owner you need to be thinking that bigger strategy and you can't if you're stuck on a day to day so eventually comes a time where you do need to hand it over to someone else I
1: agree and when it comes to entrepreneurship and Mm -hmm. launching your own business what do you think firstly puts people off doing it and also what have you learned about being an entrepreneur and the kind of qualities that you need so to be an entrepreneur i think
2: you need you need persistence so you need to be able to pick yourself up on those days where you do feel a bit flat and low because it will happen you obviously need to be a go-getter you need to be able to go out there and do things of your you know on your own um, and really you just need to have faith in what you're doing so you need to believe in it you don't necessarily need to be absolutely full of passion for whatever it is you're doing but you need to have a strong sense of purpose and
1: belief mm. and what about when those those times are hard perhaps the cash flow is a bit off or you've lost a big client like how do you, how do you pick yourself up from that? Um oh, It's a tricky one because it's all too
2: easy just to dwell in those negatives um, one thing I ha- I find that helps is having like a brag file so if someone sent you a really nice testimonial or something's gone really well or you know I'm sure that month you lost a client I'm sure you've got a few other clients so trying to focus on them so at the end of each week on a Friday I look back at what's happened that week and I try and find the positives and, and mm. celebrate them even if it's just a little kind of you know cheer to myself mm. um, yeah just try not to dwell on those negatives and just to accept that it's part and parcel of running a business it mm. can't all be amazing happy success all the time yeah it's
1: definitely not <laughs> yeah and in the well-being space I mean it's super saturated now mm. if someone's thinking about launching something in the well-being space what advice could you give them about starting something new so in the well-being space yeah I agree it it can be quite saturated now Um,
2: and it it goes for all businesses really but it's often just having a niche so you know just just choosing something and just really honing in on that and making it work so you know what we found is the 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 definition of well-being has really evolved so we follow what we call it the wheel of well-being or the well being wheel. So it's three hundred and sixty degree approach. So it's not just like broccoli and burpees, you know, it's about your emotional and mental well being. You know, we do workshops on sleep and mental health and so we look at this holistic approach. what we try not to do is go too gimmicky and it can be quite tempting you know a new trend comes along and you want to jump on it and you want to offer it to your clients but you have to kind of stop yourself and think hang on is this actually adding value or is it just a bit of a fad so finding something in the world of well-being that isn't going to be a fad isn't going to be gimmicky but really adds value Mm.
1: do you find um do you find that your clients want those kind of gimmicky things sometimes sometimes they might be interested in them but actually when it comes to actually
2: booking it it doesn't always happen so it can really you know think of us as our clients they're so varies. So we'll work with some like really big consulting firms like the likes of PwC, Accenture, but then we might work with a design agency of 10 people. So it's really going to vary what people are interested in and what they're actually willing to do. And, you know, we've got to remember that, you know, we can sit here and we can talk about well-being because it's very much in our our dialogue and what we do in our lives. But for a lot of these people, it's very new. You know, the idea of putting your leggings on and going to a yoga class at the office at lunchtime is it's quite a new sometimes daunting thing so we have to we have to respect that yeah and, you don't um, want to go
1: in too hard with the, with
2: the concept exactly you know we can office go deck. in there and, you know we've just started offering sound healing and gong baths which so for some of my clients I know they love but for some of my clients you know I know they'll be like oh gosh
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> a bit crazy very unusual.
2: yeah
1: and you must have um, just on, on the topic of well being mm. at work you must have seen so much in terms of people like not fe- feeling well at work or just not being kind of their best, healthiest selves. What do you think are some of the biggest like modern day challenges Mm. to well-being in the workplace?
2: Uh, So I think the biggest challenge really is just lack of time. So we're actually working harder and longer than ever before, but we're actually provingly less productive mm. than we were. So we're so crowned for time. And obviously that then affects we don't we feel we don't have time for exercise, we feel like we don't have time to take a break for lunch and you know eat or make something healthy. So it's time constraints is a huge thing that impacts everything. Mm. Um, just anecdotally when we go into meet with clients, like sleep is a really big issue. So mm. sleep school is one of our most popular workshops and I'm always amazed by you know the stories people come and tell me afterwards or come and have a chat with me and just how much people are really suffering. So what do you teach in sleep school? So we do a sleep workshop which is around the kind of tools and tips to help get restful and restorative sleep. So it's not about going in there and preaching that everyone needs to be tucked up in bed by nine o'clock. It's actually about just tools and tips that you can do to sleep well. So not having your phone in your bedroom, practicing sleep hygiene, you know, what you can eat in the day to help and help your sleep patterns later on.
1: I feel like I need that. I mean, I I confirmed our interview today yeah. at quarter to two in the morning last night. But I'm a no owl. I can't help it. Yeah, we're well, yeah.
2: fine. and functioning. Exactly. You know, then that's what we say. Actually, some people, you know, it's like, are oh, you a lark or a owl? Some people actually just are more morning people and so that's when you should do your workout or your best work mm-hmm. or it might be for the evening and, and you know
1: <laughs> I'm in everything but I'm morning evening
2: uh, well, that's good you should make the off. most of it <laughs> but and, you know the whole conversation around workplace well-being is that you know we're not programmed to work between nine to five which are the constraints that we have in our working day so you might function you know your optimal well-being could be working in the morning or evening or mm-hmm. you know and this is where flexible working comes into a lot of the a lot of the conversation around well-being which is a bit out of our hands but it's more of a challenge. at the employers. Are you seeing more
1: corporate environments introducing flexible
2: working? Yeah, we are. So we're seeing more people introduce flexible working and hot desking um, and we're we're helping provide some training around people, how people can manage that because actually working from home, working part time, working independently, they're not something, they're not necessarily things that we all know exactly how to do. People might need a little bit of help Mm. with not being used to having their team around them or being in the structure of the office. So um, there's definitely more people doing it but we actually need a bit more help and guidance with it than we
1: realise. I suppose it can be quite daunting and feel used to having a very set time mm. structure suddenly saying you can work from home here or whatever it is yeah. it's quite an overwhelming thing yeah I think
2: I think the discipline to work for yourself and work from home is something which you're constantly evolving and I think you know my experience I've, I've got better at it with age I've gotten you know, a lot more strict to myself but yeah had I suddenly gone from an office to working by myself I definitely would have been would have struggled to um, have that discipline
1: and I suppose this all has a big play into stress mm. and, and how we experience stress how we feel it at work I know definitely in very harsh corporate environments just the, the amount of pressure that people are under with deadlines yeah. and everything exercise eating well sleep just falls to the bottom mm. of the pile and i suppose with what you do is trying to bring back a sense of well-being and trying to promote something that this is going to help you work better yeah
2: yeah absolutely you know we don't want to go in there we don't want to preach to everyone we try not to be really holier than thou we try and give all our advice just to make it really acceptable and applicable we completely believe in moderation Um, so really it's just about giving people bits of advice and tools and tips for well-being that they can incorporate into their day you know we have to be realistic we don't all have the time to make a super smoothie and then go to a yoga class and then meditate and then you know go to an inspiring talk for an hour it's it's just not not achievable so my
1: my thesis is that veganism and corporate environments are not a good mix interesting. my friends who are vegans and work in very harsh corporate environments are some of the least healthy people I know Mm. and I think that there's something in making a decision that really restricts your diet, and then you're suddenly left with like quite a few options, and you don't have time to cook. Yeah. So my friends who are vegan lawyers in particular oh, wow. are just like co- they're just hitting up delivery every lunch. I bet break. bet they just end up eating off. the same thing every oh, day, yeah, don't just, like, they? The same vegan mm. pizza, the same vegan burger. Working super late, getting another delivery in the office. Like, yeah. Really, really unhealthy working habits. So yeah. That's, that's why I, I sometimes think these wellness trends come with a bit of a caveat: is can you actually be healthier with this yeah. supposedly
2: healthier diet? Absolutely. And yeah, things like veganism and, you know, healthy eating in general, like they take preparation. Mm. You know, especially if you've got a really busy, demanding job, you often need to sit down on a Sunday night and plan your meals or your shop. Um, So yeah, things like that can be really tricky. What does wellbeing mean to you? Um, So wellbeing to me, well, it's varied, I think, as I've got older and as my life has evolved. You know, I've been in the wellbeing world for for quite a while now. And probably 10 years ago, it would have been racing around on my bike from this yoga class to the next and yeah, trying the latest vegan cafe. Um, But to be honest now, you know, I'm a mum and so I'd have to juggle that with the business as well. So wellbeing to me is moving every day. So brilliant if I can get to a class or the gym that's great but if not it might just be walking the pushchair somewhere around the park for half an hour or so so moving every day having some time to myself so whether that's just to meditate or have a bath or just have that 15 minutes I just need that quiet time um, and connecting with family and friends so again as you are as you can be quite solitary working for yourself mm-hmm. and the constant phone connectivity we have um, I actually really miss and value and need that face to face connection yeah, time. Yeah
1: human contact. Yeah
2: I get so much out of it you know I really feel it lights me up, just having time hanging out with my girlfriends, or with my husband, my family. So I definitely need that.
1: And I find in London it's particularly hard to relax. It's so mm. difficult to find places to relax. Where, where are your favourite places to relax? Where do you like to go and get a bit of space, some headspace?
2: space? There's so many amazing yoga studios in London. You know, I've practised yoga all over the world, but yet some of the teachers here in London are, are brilliant. We're spoiled for choice with studios. So I try yoga in Darbo. I love Union, um, Union Station in Clapham Junction. Amazing yoga teachers we've got here in London. Um, back when I used to live over that, way I really love the East London Buddha Centre to go and do and meditate, just do free meditations at lunchtime which was a really lovely thing to do especially if you're working from home and there's something powerful about meditating in a, in a group mm. rather than doing it independently um, and really just the, all the parks and the green spaces that we've got here and just finding somewhere mm. where we can sit down with a nice coffee and a chat with a friend, you know that's just as important to me as a, as a yoga class
1: Yeah, I think we're, we're waking up now to seeing well being in a different space that it's not just about how mm. toned you are or physical stuff or aesthetics but it's actually about how are you doing inside and your mental health and everything
2: like that. Absolutely, which is such a breath of fresh air and it's been a long time coming. You know, we try not to, for example, on our social media, we don't post lots of pictures of unattainable yoga poses or, like I say, get really preachy about what people should be doing because it's not just about those broccoli mm-hmm. and burpees and yoga poses. It's about maybe just hanging out with a friend and having an early night.
1: Do you think Instagram has improved our relationship to wellbeing or do you think it's a bit more detrimental? Oh, it's
2: tricky. <laughs> you could write a thesis on this, can you? you? Um, you know, I started this wellbeing company before Instagram, so it's been interesting to see how it's evolved. Um, in some respect, I have a love-hate relationship with it. I can find it quite smug and quite irritating, the, the wellbeing message, but it's also hugely inspiring and motivational. And, you know, I think the rule of Instagram is there's people on there that... <laughs> aren't really doing it for you then you just unfollow them Mm -hmm. or if they're making you feel crap then just unfollow them and follow the motivating people you know instagram our phones they can be detrimental to our well-being but they can also really enhance it instagram can be brilliant for connecting you with people that will enhance your life and you might have never met your phones can have you know i think in the past day I'll probably use Strava for a run I've used Fit I've used Headspace which is all brilliant for my well-being and it's on my phone which yeah. can also be a problem
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true yeah we think that our phones are only a cause of like discomfort yeah, like, we not should detox from, but yeah. I love Strava yeah. I didn't realise my Strava was on public and then people kept congratulating on my run and I was like why did they know and I realised it was really dangerous so I was just leaving my run just my route every day oh, it's a bit just weird just isn't sound it? Private. yes do that yeah. <laughs> if you're listening turn it on yeah um, what what are some
2: healthy things that you couldn't live without personally um, so what I can live without um, so oh, sounds a bit of a cliche but my Vitamix um, again I had it for years uh, yeah exactly just for whipping up smoothies and again I use it for my, my little boy now as well just making healthy things um, my yoga mat can't live without especially now I have to do loads more home practice because I can't get to class it's like I used to um, I love the I've got oh, I forget what they're called but I've got a really thin Lululemon one that you can just fold up and take to places mm. um, and like I said just some time out by myself every day I just crave time even though I, well it seems I like a bit seems, seems a bit contradictory even though I'm sat here saying oh it's really lonely being an entrepreneur <laughs> but actually you know I find I still just need that time just mm. a little bit of time out every day just for me
1: it's different it's a different kind of quality I think mm. going for a long walk is a different kind of quality than sitting alone with your laptop there's something oh. about things and phones and computers that is different
2: couldn't agree more yeah so that would be maybe just walking around the park of a podcast or just reading a book but yeah just having that little nugget of time out
1: mm, I agree <laughs> if people are listening and they're feeling a little bit unhealthy at work they're mm. stuck in their workplace well-being as it were what are some like small tips that you or your company would give them to trying to improve how they feel at work yeah
2: so they all It's quite obvious but they're obvious because they work so just drinking more water um, a lot of the time we, we feel quite sluggish and quite tired because we're actually just dehydrated so just drinking plenty more um, especially if you feel like you've got a caffeine dependency just drinking more water you'll inevitably crowd it out just taking breaks so taking a lunch hour if you can't manage an hour then just taking five minutes and just having a walk around the block um, and just trying to connect with people Bit more, so I understand. We often have to follow up on an email just to have a paper trail, but there's no harm why you can't go over and just have a chat with someone
1: about it beforehand. Mm, learning to speak and also learning to pick up the phone. Yes, that's, that's become such a thing that no mm. one wants to do anymore. And I'm old school. I like calling yeah. people and get things done quicker. Absolutely, so people are
2: pretty shocked when you call them. Yeah, and again, I've tried to do that more recently. You know, in the past year or so, just having more or like having more Facetimes with people, I find really good. Um, yeah, picking up the phone. was a lot more efficient. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely, is. Yeah. amazing. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. If people would like to find out more about your company or book on to a um, a wellness session, where can they find you? Yep, they can find us at stretchingthecity.com. Fantastic. Thank you so so much. Thank you so much.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: thanks for listening to this week's episode of work happy if you're looking to work happier book your free week at any work life space at work.life forward slash free trial thanks for listening and don't forget to share subscribe rate and review we'll see you next time and until then work happy
0: This has been a candy store production for Work Life, hosted by Angelica Malin and produced by Van Connor. T-shirt weather by Poddington Bear appears under Creative Commons 3.0 with podcast recording facilities in partnership with Work Life. Visit Work.life for more information. You can find us at candystoreproductions.co.uk